0: When you look at your own life maybe you don't consider that you have a trauma history and maybe you don't but when it comes to families we can often experience death by a thousand cuts or relational trauma join me today to learn what you need to know about relational trauma So last week we introduced the concept of the adaptive child and the wise adult as it relates to trauma responses. So these are um, known as our relational stance. And we talked about the difference between big T trauma and little T trauma. Um, And when it comes to understanding our experience, right, we often think about little T trauma as relational trauma. So those death by a thousand cuts um, in childhood that we can sometimes experience that, you know, may not be considered big T trauma, but they still impact us. So some examples include difficult ongoing family relationships and interactions, poor boundaries, rejection, intrusion, um, all of these things that just happen in many families growing up. And that as those continue um, in an ongoing fashion, right, they can be really corrosive. They can really undermine our sense of self. And we develop some patterned coping strategies to cope with the pain of those experiences. And that often shows up as the adaptive child. So if we had a parent that maybe had poor boundaries and was intrusive, one of the coping strategies that we might develop as a child is to have pretty rigid Boundaries, um, and then we carry that coping strategy or that relational stance into adulthood, and it might not be very functional because it might get in the way of us forming um, good bonds and secure attachment with folks. And so, today, I want to help you better understand relational trauma and how it might show up in in the present day in interactions. And so, this conceptualization can help to bring a lot of self awareness because. One of the things that we know about relational trauma is that it never keeps to itself. It shows up in the present moment, even if the experiences that were challenging were decades in the past. It uh, shows up in our current relationships, both at home and at work, and it can emotionally hook us and leave us feeling hijacked. And so really, um, I talked about this with our last podcast. Um, The goal is not to label or judge or blame anyone um, for maybe the challenges that you've experienced, but it's really to bring in some awareness and some understanding so that you can feel like you are on solid ground in your present life so that you don't get emotionally hooked so that you can um, be intentional about how you relate to others and how you respond to challenges. Um, And so, of course, if anything that you hear is upsetting or it kicks up some some painful memories you know, just consider what's best for you. It might be best for you to pause on the podcast and take a break from it. So we always want to respect that. And of course, nothing that I talk about today should be considered um, treatment or intervention. This is all just um, good education that hopefully you know can be helpful for you. So um, with the podcast, I my goal is to help you pursue what matters by strengthening your confidence to lead. And primarily today, we're really helping you lead with curiosity. So we want to help you increase your self awareness so that you can um, have more effective self-leadership. Because when we get emotionally hooked, right? Think about one of the ways this this can happen at work is we get emotionally hooked at work and we end up throwing our shame all over other people. And so it has disastrous impacts for, um, for all of our relationships. And so it is in our best interest to understand that. And so let's start first with the impact of trauma. So first, even if you've been through significant traumatic events, including those big T trauma events, it is not a given that this history will unduly impact you. You know, in fact, the majority of individuals who experience significant traumatic events do not develop clinically significant symptoms. And I think that's really remarkable. As humans, we are resilient. Um, And so, you know, there are some key factors to keep in mind when it comes to the impact of trauma on individuals individual to kind of better understand like well how likely is it that you will have you know a significant negative impact um as a result of some of these painful experiences and so we think about the three e's of trauma this comes to us from the substance abuse and mental health services administration um and you know if you've if you're familiar at all with um trauma readings, this will probably sound familiar to you. But when a person is is exposed to a traumatic or stressful event, how they experience the event greatly influences the long-lasting adverse effects of carrying the weight of trauma. Um, And so the three E's include event, experience and effect and so let's start with event so what was the event like what was the traumatic event what happened was it ongoing or was it a one-time situation was it one catastrophic event or a more subtle but possibly still corrosive experience um, of love having strings attached not feeling accepted those sorts of things so we really want to understand the nature Of the event. And this is an example, I think, where one traumatic event can actually pale in comparison to uh, more subtle, ongoing, corrosive events, because the events continue to repeat over and over again. And that's not to take anything away from from the big catastrophic events, because they are absolutely, incredibly traumatic. Um, But we just, you know, it's not enough just to say trauma, yes or no, right? We need to understand the individual, we need to understand the event. Um, We also want to understand the experience. So this is the second E. So when we talk about experience, we're really looking at what was the individual's experience of the event. So this is where we kind of look at individual differences. We also look at the support, um, around the events. So did you, did you experience the event as scary, overwhelming, or terrifying? So what emotions were associated with the event? And we know, we know from the from the research literature that two people can have the same experience and right, the exact same experience, right? Both in a in the same car accident, for instance. And one can experience it as traumatic while the other does not. And that there are some individual experiences um, factors that go into that, but also um, our our um, encoding of that experience, right? How we experienced that event. And this is particularly true when it Comes to relational trauma, right? Because we're constantly attaching meaning to the experience, to the events that we have, right? So we're we're shifting our experience of the event. So some examples here when it comes to relational trauma. So we think about um, an intrusive mother leading to codependent relationships. So maybe mom doesn't have good boundaries. She pulls in a child um, in codependence, um, maybe bad talks, the father, that sort of thing. So one child can see this as I love my mom. She's my best friend. She'd do anything for me. Look at all this that she's confiding in me. And so the child um, experiences that as love and of being special and what i would say is like this is really problematic um but it's it's not experienced as upsetting um or painful for that child but you could have another child say a sibling um and the same things ha- the same thing happens with the same mom and it's seen as intrusive it includes fear it includes worry about oh no like do i need to be loyal to my mom or do i need to be loyal to my dad and, and worry about like, Oh, are my mom and dad? Okay. Cause here's my mom, bad talking dad in front of me. Um, and you know, healthy differentiation can be punished. So you gotta agree with mom if she's bad talking dad. Um, it's not okay to say, you know, I love that, or that's not okay. Um, and so in a very real way, uh, the child's boundaries and needs are not respected, right? So the child kind of um, gets pulled in into the emotional needs of that parent. Um, and so two, two siblings, same situation, um, That's that event is experienced as very upsetting and painful to one child. And it's experienced by the other child as I'm special. My mom really loves me. She really confides in me. And again, neither of them are okay. They're both right like if we think about these situations right first of all it's not okay for the parent to do that but the child who sees this as this is great and like the not having boundaries with mom is great that's a problem right that's actually what's dysfunctional the child who sees it as intrusive and it kicks up worry like that's actually a very adaptive response and yet in that family system it might be punished right so that child is seen as the problem Um, um even though they're kind of calling out like hey this isn't correct um and so that you can see how those how those relational traumas get est- can get established very early on um and a child can feel on the outside of the family system because you know they're not comfortable with um the lack of boundaries they're not comfortable with the conversations the blaming the shaming the fighting that's happening and so that's an example of how the, a child's experience of an event can be very different. And then the third E is the effect. So what was the effect on the individual? So um, did the individual have support to make sense of what was happening? Right. So if we go to this example of the kiddo that um, you know struggling with an intrusive mother, do they have do they have um, support or Or relationships where they can get support for, like, gosh, this made me feel really uncomfortable. And um, maybe, maybe it's another sibling, or maybe it's a friend to say, like, I don't think your mom should be talking to you about, you know, her sex life with dad, like that sort of thing. Um, And that can help you to feel like, okay, I'm, I, I guess maybe I'm not totally crazy here. And so you can get some support and you can make sense of the event. Now, for a lot of kiddos it's hard to find that kind of support be outside of the family system, right? Because the family system is, can be so all encompassing. Um, And so that's, that can be a contributing factor to like the, the intensity of the relational trauma, but what was the effect on the individual? So was the individual blamed for the event? Like, this is your fault. You messed this up or did they receive support and encouragement? Um, How did the event impact the self-worth of the individual, right? So were you made to feel guilty or shamed if you disagreed with mom or if you, you know, didn't do what dad expected of you. So, you know, essentially what we really want to pay attention to. So we want to pay attention to this support, right? Support and encouragement. Um, But also what protective factors did the individual have to help them cope? So that can be externally in terms of support. It could be um, internally in terms of self-worth perspective. And then what vulnerability factors did the individual have that that could have made coping more difficult. So, right, maybe you have a kiddo coming to the situation with pretty low self-worth, and then they get blamed for, you know, some of what's happening in the family. Well, there's a vulnerability factor, that low self-worth, and then you have this onslaught of these relational behaviors, and that can have a, that can have a more significant negative effect on that child. And so the three E's really help us to understand um, the impact of, of trauma. This can be the big T trauma. It can be the little T trauma as well. So it's just adding a little bit more nuance and hopefully clarity and understanding, um, in terms of why do people have different responses to difficult events, right? You can have siblings in the same family, um, experiencing some of the same behaviors and interpreting that very differently. So, The next thing that I want to talk about is I want to share with you four types of psychological injury. So there's lots of ways to get injured. We're just really focusing on psychological injury. And this comes to us from Terrence Real and some of his excellent work on couples work. Um, And so um, the four types that he teaches about, and I think there are really helpful ways to um, make sense of especially your childhood experience. um, is, you know, he, first of all, he makes the point that each type, right, of the four types we're going to learn about, each type uh, causes its own predictable concerns and tends toward um, toward its own particular adaptation, right? So everything is about like, you know, what are the factors of concern and how do we learn to uh, cope with it, right? So what is the adaptation in our behavior, in our emotions, and so the first type of psychological trauma is, um, is intrusive and empowering. So when we have a parent that is intrusive and disempowering. So I'm just going to share an example of of each of these. And then I'm going to have some takeaways for you, but then next time we're going to talk about the trauma grid, which really kind of builds this out a little bit more and can help you hopefully make sense of your experience. And I would really recommend that you join me on Instagram at Smith because I will have the visual grid to kind of help you um, visually see what's happening. And I think that that that's very clarifying. So I'm going to do my best to talk you through it today and next week, but I really would encourage you to head to Instagram where you can, um, I will have those grids for you. Um, so an example of intrusive and disempowering is maybe you were sworn at a lot. Maybe you were beaten. Um, maybe there was a ton of yelling and blaming and shaming within the family. And so, right, being beaten, right, that's intrusive. There's no boundaries. There's not a respect for the boundaries of the physical self um, and disempowering, right? You're blamed, you're swore at, you're um, made to you're, to, you're belittled, right? So it's it's very disempowering. Um, the second type of psychological trauma is intrusive and falsely empowering, right? Right. False empowerment by a parent is not a good thing. So these can, some examples of these can include incest or emotional caretaking. Now, right? incest on that continuum of trauma is very different from emotional caretaking right so this is an example of maybe big t trauma and little t trauma Um, but if we think about emotional caretaking for the needs of a parent throughout your childhood it still has a big impact right it's so it's not like one is better or worse one is you know anything like that it's just recognizing that the experiences are different but they're you know we want to respect and make room for understanding each of them. So, you know, with incest, of course, it's very intrusive. There's no respect for um, the individual's physical boundaries. There's no respect for appropriate boundaries between relations, between, you know, family members, and it can be falsely empowering, right? So sometimes with incest, you can see like, you're so special, you're so pretty, you help me um, feel better, right? Completely inappropriate Um, But we also see that this type of behavior, of course, you know, The scale of it is very different, but with emotional caretaking, right? Like I need, so, so a parent disclosing to a child, um, aspects of their relationship or just adult things that like should not be shared with the child and this false empowerment, like you're my best friend, you know, I need you to help me feel better. Um, and whether they use those words or not, their communications and their reliance on the child for emotional sustenance, um, become very Intrusive, and it's this false empowerment. So, this child is elevated into an adult role, which, of course, is totally inappropriate. Um, The third type of psychological trauma is um, abandoning and disempowerment. Disempowering, right? So we we can see how we're going to get to a grid here. So abandoning and disempowering. So some examples of this include messages that you're unworthy and scapegoating behavior. So blaming the child. Um, so we abandon we abandon them, right? Like we don't um, we don't have like we have our boundaries are too rigid, right? Like we're not giving enough of support. We kind of leave kids um, on their own to figure things out, but we're also talking down to them. Um, they're blamed, they're shamed. You're not good enough are the messages that we see here. And then the fourth type of psychological trauma that we can often see is abandoning and falsely empowering. So abandoning, meaning like we... We have these walls up around boundaries. We're not giving love, affection, support, encouragement. Kids are kind of on their own to figure things out. And that can often be like on their own to figure things out emotionally, right? So maybe there's a big fight at home. And afterwards, you you don't have a parent that sits down and has a conversation to say, hey, I'm sorry about that. Sometimes moms and dads disagree. Are you okay? Let me help soothe you and comfort you. That would be an appropriate response after that situation. But the abandoning response is um, everyone flees to their corners and no one helps that child understand what happened. Um, The child is left, is abandoned, left on their own to make sense of what happened. Um, And really the message is you're on your own emotionally. And then we also can see that false empowerment, like you're so great, you're so special, you're so perfect, you're the one child I don't have to worry about. And so it really sends the message to the kiddo that you're on your own you can't count on these people um, for support or encouragement you kind of have to be perfect so watch out and so the ways that that often shows up um so from parents it can really be a stance of you don't need us like you're you are leaving us um and you don't need us you're special you think you're perfect um and kind of that hero mentality right so this child is really the hero of the family we're really proud of this child but the child's on a pedestal. They're not on the level. And, you know, it can, it can be very lonely for that kiddo up there, right? Because they're kind of forced to be the hero because their needs aren't getting met within the family system. And so, um, those are the four types of psychological trauma that Terence real talks about. And next week, like I mentioned, we're going to introduce you to the trauma grid, which really kind of builds this out and helps you to understand how that might be showing up in your present day relationships. And so for today, I have three takeaways for you based on, um, what we've been talking about today, right? So what you need to know about relational trauma. So the first takeaway, um, is that relational trauma that is repeated or ongoing may be as damaging as one circumscribed catastrophic trauma i think that that is that can that can be a real um a real wake up call to a lot of people because That it's easy for folks to minimize their own experience and to say, My childhood was fine. It was not a problem. But relational trauma that's repeated or ongoing can be incredibly corrosive, just as damaging as one big catastrophic traumatic event. Um, So, what Terrence Real says, he's pretty playful about this, but I think it's also helpful. He says, It's unlikely that you dodged all trauma in your perfect family. Sometimes, Especially when we have a history of relational trauma, we come and we become invested in saying like, I'm fine. there's nothing wrong with my family. like you don't want to be dramatic. you tend to minimize this. Um, so he talks about, and um, right. families where for sure relational trauma doesn't happen right this is this is families that are open and communicative they share vulnerabilities and emotions they rarely speak or behave disrespectfully to one another they apologize in short order issues are hashed out. Parents hold compassionate hierarchical power, right? So it's not a democracy. Parents are in charge, but they have compassion and regard and empathy for their kiddos. Uh, Repair is in good evidence, right? We apologize to one another. We make things right. Everyone is welcome. Um, This is the mature, emotionally intelligent family. And what Terrence Real says is if this was your experience, count yourself lucky. But this is really the exception rather than the rule, and he says that our society doesn't produce many such skilled families, and that's because, right in part, this um, this rugged individualism, where we kind of have a stuff a stiff upper lip, we don't talk about concerns, um, we don't make things right, um, and so you know, Terence Real says. Makes the case that the evidence for relational trauma shows up all over the place. And most markedly, it shows up in our most important relationships, especially with marriage. And if we just looked at the divorce rate, I think we've got ample evidence that uh, the impact of relational trauma is showing up um, everywhere in our families. Um, So we need to take it seriously. And that's really the first takeaway. understand relational trauma. You don't need to, you don't need to manufacture anything, but, um, but, but see what's, see what's there and respect it, right? Because it can have a pretty significant impact um, in the present day. The second tape takeaway is that passive trauma can do at least as much damage as intrusive violation. So sometimes when we think about trauma, we think about the intrusive traumas as most difficult, right? So if you remember, the intrusive traumas are a lack of boundaries. Um, So treating a child as an adult, uh, of course um, incest or physical violence, um, because it's, it's a lack of boundaries. It's a lack of respect for the integrity of the individual. But his point is that passive trauma can be just as difficult. And when we think about passive trauma, we think about the benign neglect. That's kind of the way that I think about it. It's the leaving a child, um, on their own emotionally. It's not talking about why did we have this big fight and, making sure that the child is safe. And through our acknowledgement of the concerns, we help to make it safe for the kid. But the passive trauma or the abandonment is everyone has to fend for themselves, right? You're not safe in the family emotionally. You might not be safe in the family physically. And so you need to be on guard to protect yourself because you might not get that protection from your family members. And so we just need to respect um, how that trauma shows up. And then the third takeaway is that by understanding your own experience, you can show up as a wise adult in your relationships, not as an adaptive child. And again, we talked about those concepts last time. Um, but when you when you have more self awareness and understanding. Of your relational stance and how some of these experiences can show up, you can, you can change that relational pattern, right? You can shift from these automatic responses of fear and protection to, um, an emotionally mature response. Um, and so next week we're going to do a deep dive with the trauma grid. We're going to kind of expand this out so that you can really understand your experience and really shift into responses that are more helpful. And so in the meantime, head on over to my website to check out the show notes, um, for this episode at www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash two zero one dash relational, trauma. Um, So one more time, that's www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash 201 dash relational trauma trauma. Of course, join me on Instagram, Smith, for more great resources related to this content. And I also have some resources. Uh, so po- the podcast review, also some link links to um, some of the conversations on trauma. You can find all of those at my website. Um, and in the meantime, I'm Dr. Melissa Smith. Remember, love and work, work and love. That's all there is. Until next time. Take good care.